You are listening to Salcedo Paranormal with your host, James Salcedo. Welcome to episode 489 of Salcedo Paranormal. And tonight, I have a returning guest. And I will talk more about that in a minute. Uh, as always, you can find all episodes of the show, along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page. And that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Thank you all for listening, whether you are here on Discord for the live streams or if you listen on the podcast or YouTube feeds, or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. There you can hear replays of two episodes of my show every night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. As always, I want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, also known as Rohan, of the Exile Minds podcast for producing the shows and uh, putting them up on the station. And uh, if you like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. Also, I have some uh, fiction uh, and nonfiction books in the paranormal, uh, the paranormal in, uh, on Amazon. You can check out as well. I also have a Patreon page where I'll be putting out content whenever I can. And it has one episode there so far. Um, and there you can sign up to any of the membership tiers, and uh, you will get all those episodes uh, from there. And then also I, I have a couple of ways to just donate to the show, one-time donation links through PayPal and Venmo. As there are expenses in making this show, uh, in equipment and research materials, and then uh, travel expenses, uh, less than a month now from when I will be heading to the Mid-Michigan Paracon. That's November, November 4th and 5th at the Soaring Eagle Casino in uh, Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And uh, that's going to be a weekend thing. It's a Saturday and Sunday. Uh, any donations to the show as of right now would be appreciated, but not expected. But uh, any donations will be going straight towards that, that event, my expenses for going to and staying there for that event. So... Um, it's just been a interesting year and I uh, could use any help you all are, are uh, willing to give if you are able and, uh, and, or if you want to go there, you can check out the, uh, website and see if there's any tickets left. And then of course I do plan on going from now on every year whenever possible. So, um, so if you don't, if you don't make it this year and you want to help the show, uh, there's ways to do that. And then of course, uh, you can always look forward to next year as well. So. Um, I think that covers everything, and I've already mentioned my guest for tonight, and a uh, very good friend of the show is, does all the music that you hear just about on, on the station, along with Mike, uh, but um, I really uh, had, had him on a while ago to, on the same topic, and uh, so I want to welcome back Rohan to the show. Hello, how are you doing? Thank you for coming back. Thank you very much for the... Oh, I appreciate that, James. That was a wonderful intro there. Appreciate that. You're getting really good at this, aren't you? Thanks for having me back on. Uh, 
yeah, you do enough. I guess you do. Uh, you, you get used to it. So it's it's funny. I checked back. It's been over a year since we did this. Uh, just over a year. It doesn't seem like that. Is I remember that... when I when you were on. Wow! Yeah. Wow! That is yeah. It really does fly. It it does yeah. Just for me, definitely. But that's that's interesting for me to gauge where I'm at in my personal story as well. Then that it's a year on, like anniversary stuff. You can just kind of look back and see where you've where you've been, can't you? That's that's useful information off the bat. Well done, James. See, that's why you're the expert. <laughs> well, and because I, I was going back because I, I want to make sure I use a similar episode title and everything. So. And of course, you've been on for a couple other shows, at least one other show. I, I probably more, I'm terrible at remembering these things now, but um, you've been part of a couple of roundtables, which have been also been great. And uh, those are those are great, but they're also, for anyone listening, they can be hard to schedule. So that's why I'm not doing as many of those as I was. Everyone has their own lives and things to do, and uh, people get busy. But um, I do plan on do, um, trying to have more of those throughout this next year. Uh, just here and there, I think it was too much to try to do every month, but uh, whenever possible, we will do those. And uh, yeah, so, and of course, this is episode is about more uh, ghost stories from the UK. So um, thank you for coming on. And uh, everyone listening to you, you're going to, if you listen uh, through the podcast feed, you're going to get an extra treat here. You're going to be hearing sort of what these shows sound like in the radio format. So really excited for that as well. That's also thanks to Rohan. So, um, but yeah, yes. um, what what have you been up to, up to since uh, with the with your show and everything since we last talked? Yeah, appreciate that, James. Yeah, well, since we last talked, I mean, um, I've started doing. I took a bit of a break for a while, and then a, a little like I, I kind of ended up doing it sort of seasonal, and then you know just taking a break and then in the next season. So I've, I've kind of started up again. I had a few technical glitches. So, uh, yeah, my sound cards blew out and stuff. But, yeah, I've got it. I just it back up. I've got all fancy new equipment now. I've got a nice camera and fancy new sound card. So it's it's looking good, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, the Trouble Minds radio network and the station and, and you being on it and stuff. So it's it's been really great to be feel involved with something meaningful. You know, this seems like it, it, it matters and there's other people that are as passionate as I am about it. So I'm really appreciative as much as, you know, as, as you are when you when you sort of complimenters and, and promoters at the beginning of, of each show. So I appreciate that. But, the you know, the feeling is mutual is what I'm trying to say. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's been great. Uh, I love I love listening to your show. I, I definitely recommend it to everyone. And, uh, and yeah, the links for um, – for, for that show are always in the episode description. So uh, definitely go check that out. So, but um, if you want to get started on these stories here and then uh, I'll keep track of time and, and uh, yeah, sure. we'll go, go forward with that. Yeah. So, so on the last, uh, on the last episode, then a year ago, as we just discussed, we had a, we've got a guy um, I got to meet called, known as the ghost detective in Britain. This is a uh, Mr. A H Perkins. And he's got a little book from here, so we'll we'll do a couple of chapters. And I just want to open it up for you today. Um, it just happened to have a, like a card in there, just marked a marked a page. So I thought, oh, we'll go for this one. It's on chapter nine, and I think we had started at the beginning before. So so we'll we'll dive straight in if that's all right. With you, James? Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Okay. Looking forward to it. Okay, okay, great. So it's for chapter nine from the Ghost Detective Age Pickens. It was at least two weeks later 
that I managed to free up sufficient time to go and do more interviews because he's, he's talking a long game narrative about his, you know, that is, uh, you know, he's having to, you know, do his daily life stuff like you just mentioned. Oh so yeah, he hadn't had. So yeah, you know, he didn't like say the scheduling and Verante was tough. So he, he got busy as well, which I thought that was interesting, like a synchronicity to, because he's he's sort of making the same complaints that we've got kind of thing. Because when you're a creator. That's kind of how it goes. So he's in this scenario of for at least two weeks. He's not he's not been managed to get much time. But he managed to free up two weeks of sufficient time to go and do more interviews to go and get your content right. So he's freed up some time. Had to rebook three interviews due to some work commitments. Okay, so it's not it's not easy in this game. Just like you were saying, AH Perkins been doing this for decades. So it echoes what you're saying. It's tough. It's tough stuff. Okay. So he goes on. My travels this time around found me at a picturesque village of Little Brington, close to Alfrop Estate, owned by Earl Spencer. It was there to interview. I was there to interview Ted, a retired clockmaker. The interview was conducted in Ted's home, which I must say I found quite fascinating. Over the years, Ted had collected various timepieces, and his lounge is a testament to this. These were clocks of all shapes and sizes. Ted could say I was intrigued by his collection and invited me to take a closer look as he made a cup of tea. All the clocks were in perfect working condition and set to the correct time. Ted returned with the tea and we sat down, sat ourselves down to start this interview. His tale shows that personal possessions as buildings can be connected to the spirits of past owners. Ted's tale all started when he met a chap living in Daventry in the south of Northamptonshire. The chap had an old clock that needed to be repaired. He asked Ted if he thought it was worth fixing. After examining the timepiece, Ted said that it was worth repairing and yes, he could do it. To Ted's surprise, the chap seemed disappointed. He then explained to Ted that his late mother had always thought the clock to be haunted from the day she brought it. Ted thought, this is slightly amusing, and took the clock off to fix it. Nothing untoward happened, and after fixing it, Ted took the clock back to the chap. After about a week of the chap owning the clock, he was rushed to hospital with uh, appendicitis. Living on his own, he asked the neighbour to look after his house while he was away. Over the next few days, the neighbour walked around the outside of the house on several occasions to check doors and windows were locked. On several occasions, the neighbor heard strange noises coming from within. And on an occasion, he went to check if the interior and found nothing. So they're hearing the sounds and mm. not finding anything in there. Okay. When the chap came out of the hospital, his neighbor told him what happened during the week and about all the strange noises from in his house. The chap decided there and then that it must be the clock okay so he's blaming the clock straight away because it's only just come into his life sort of thing so they only had it a week yeah so saying that's, it must it must be to blame and he's vowed to get rid of it maybe his mother had been right nana chap's daughter had always liked the clock so he decided to give it to her i said to ted i thought this was a little insensitive and ted agreed <laughs> Okay, oh, oh, it's causing weird stuff to happen. Oh, well, I'll just give it to my daughter. It'll be okay. I think this is the, yeah, you know, I don't want this uranium anymore. 
Yeah. You take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so the chap's daughter, she accepted the clock willingly, though. Okay, she likes it. I suppose it's like if it's rubbish to you, one man's trash is another man's treasure, as the saying goes. So she's got this uh, clock then. So, so I just lost my spot there. So, okay, so so he gives it to her, and Ted said, it, it was, you know, it says it's a little insensitive, but she, she wanted the clock, she took it, and it was fine for a few days. Then the noises started again. And in fact, the noises got so bad that the daughter, uh, bad, the daughter uh, decided to remove the clock from the house and place it in the garden shed because it was that much that noisy. Wow. Ted, Ted, so, so Ted then hears about the clock in the shed and loving clocks the way he does. He decided to go and see the woman. Ted had worked on this clock and understandably didn't want to see such a lively timepiece just left to rot in a garden shed okay so we offered to take the clock off her hands at a reasonable price and she agreed to get rid of it she remember pretty much only had it a few days <laughs> the very first oh. night ted ted the timepiece fixer has got this clock and his and his wife is woken up by strange noises coming from the lounge she woke ted and told him to go see what what was there and ted was still off asleep and he walks into the lounge, switches the light on, no sound. Nothing out of place, everything's as it should be. So Ted returns to bed, told his wife all was well, drops off to sleep. Within five minutes, the noises started again. Ted was up investigating them, and again, nothing to report. So by this time, Ted had had enough. Told his wife, if it started again, to go sort it out herself, because he needed to get some sleep, right? You know, if you checked a few times, yeah, you've got to get to work and stuff. I imagine Mike having to do that. Uh, mm, no, yeah, ghost or no ghost, don't get in some kip, all right? <laughs> okay, so he's had enough, so he's saying, Right, you know, you need to sort it out yourself, you need to get some sleep. So the following morning, things were a little frosty at breakfast table, okay? So you're not <laughs> happy with it. So the clock, but boy, it's been decided the clock's got to go straight away, first nine. <laughs> Okay, about three days later, a dealer that Ted knew, uh, he knew him quite well as well, he said he came up from Buckingham, which is that sort of just north of London kind of area, not exactly London. So so he's, he's drove, the point is he's drove quite a few miles, maybe say 50 miles or so to come and pick this clock up. And dealers were always popping in to see him anyway, you know. So yeah. he's come and drive up for this this sort of clock. So now this particular dealer took a liking to the haunted clock because you know the, you know dealership come in bring in stock and check in stock when we want to buy. So he he took a liking to this haunted clock, picks that one out. Okay, so Ted felt it only right if you let the salesman know the clock was supposed to be haunted, but it don't, did not make a difference. He wanted that clock, so the price again, the clock's been sold off again, and soon was on its way to Buckingham. What happened next? Was told to Ted by the very same dealer the next time he saw him. Okay, so next time he saw him, it is he's had a funky experience too. And he said the very first night, again with the clock at the dealer's house, there was an alarming alarming crashing noises from downstairs. Dealer got up to investigate and found that there's glass, okay, that the glass on the front of the clock it had fallen out and smashed into the fireplace. 
he knew of a place that could sell him the new glass. Okay, so the following day, took, took it for repair in Buckingham, where he is. All right. So as he's standing at the counter at the repair shop, the woman behind the counter said, the clock looks similar to a clock she had owned some years ago. Apparently the woman and her husband had brought, <laughs> bought an old pub, old, old pub, right, converted it into the shop that, that they were in now, okay, and the clock had been in the property when the, at the time of purchase. So that oh, clock has ended up coming back to where it started. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it goes on to say that the woman was intrigued at seeing the clock and said to her brother, who's a bit of a handyman, and he, and, he, and he tried to resolder the broken hinge on the back of the clock and stuff. Unfortunately, he had left a soldering iron laying against the wood base of the clock and had burnt a mark into the wood. Sure enough, on close examination of the clock, the burn mark was right uh, where she said it would be because he'd burnt it years before. So she could confirm it was the same clock. Right, so it's definitely wow. the same one. Yeah, and the woman went on, and she went on to explain um, on that buying the um, that on when they were buying the pub, there were large amounts of fixtures and fittings that needed to be sold off before the conversion could go ahead. This clock must have been sold at the same time. All this stuff together, like a big yard sale. So the dealer was astonished and offered the woman the clock at a very reasonable price again to get rid of it once again. Now she accepted the clock back. And the latest report that the, the clock is peaceful once more. So, however, a strange twist to this tale is that on further checking, it seems that the mother of the chap that first introduced the clock to Ted bought the clock from a pub clearance sale before moving to Daventry. Is it possible that the clock's made its way home? That's why he's concluding it as well, Mr. A. Alan Perkins. So, isn't that isn't that an odd one, James? What do you think about that? Some someone or some energy was attached to that thing and and felt at home in that one spot and didn't want it it wasn't gonna stop until it got back there, it sounds like. And I mean there's so many stories. If you if you if you just look online for news articles about anything paranormal, I mean there'll be usually at least once a week or more, there'll be at least one article about oh, this haunted pub over in the UK. That happens, that pops up over and over again. And yeah, so that wouldn't surprise me. That's that's really amazing, though. It was doing things to sort of get itself moved. Like, no, this is not home. What are you doing? And then, boom, activity. And then, yeah, until it got back. That is wild. Yeah, that is that is pretty far out. And and, and on the Exile Minds podcast, we've not touched, we've not touched ghosts yet. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I don't really know that much about it. That's why I call you the expert sort of thing. But I mean, so what do you, how do you, how do you conceptualize that then? Because it's supposed to, we call them inanimate objects, don't we? So, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I have, <laughs> is, I have no is idea. Is it a person moving the clock or is the clock itself the alive thing? Or isn't it strange? Or is someone trapped in it? Do you get that thing like Chucky? You know, you know there's horror movies and the doll is. The guy right. who put him sent into the dollar thing. Yeah, and I think anything is possible, especially, I mean, if, let's say the person, let's say there was a person that, the original person, the very first person that really loved that clock. I mean, what if they were even the one that made it to begin with? And they just, they really, really attached to it. I think, um, 
also, I mean, there are so many that, that happens a lot in fiction. Clocks seem to be, I mean, if you think of like old grandfather clocks, those, those old tall ones, how many of those do you see in horror stories, horror movies? They're everywhere. Oh yeah. And, yeah. That's yeah. Good point. So, so maybe there is some energy and I mean, and th that's also something that's movement. That's, that's energy that's being used to make movement that is then making more energy. So, I I wonder if energy can and consciousness can get attached to something, um, especially if there's already emotion attached to it as well. And then you just, yeah, it's just um, sort of doing things until it gets back to you. But then again, the it would have to do more than just make those sounds to get back to where it wants to be because the the chain of custody there, the, I mean, People could have sold it at any point along the line to anyone else. That thing could have been sold across the country, you know. So the circle of people that were uh, that had that had access to it, it seems like it sort of made noises at just the right times for just the right people. I wonder um, how many people before, I mean, how many people after that first time it was sold. How many people had experiences and, and just that whole chain? I wonder how that really works. That really is an amazing idea in the story there. Yeah, that is a that is an interesting point because you could ask. I've I've been to Daventry. I've lived in Daventry. It's any other place other than Nottingham that I've lived in for a while, and um, it's a very very small village. But like say that got sold on to Buckingham, which is closer to London. It's much much bigger, and and, and like say it's already moved away. If it was stuck in the village, the point is, if you're stuck in a charity shop in the village, you could kind of make sense. It's passing around the village, and everyone knows each other. But once it's left, then it's it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? As you say, it's like, mm, okay, okay. So, and and you made it, and I really, um, I got a bit of a kick out of that point you mentioned that it's the fact it's a clock. In fact, when I started reading it, um. I thought a timepiece maker is clocks going to be because there's there's some mystique about that and and it's like what does it do? It's sort of well, it's measuring itself, but we say it's measuring time and measuring history. So it, it weirds me out in my brain. It's almost like a clock itself, like the mirror. It's almost fractal in nature by the way that we think of them. So well, mm, weirds me out. Like maybe maybe all this stuff is made of thought. And yeah! Wow, that's just, just mm, it's pretty wild, pretty wild stuff, James. It's, and then if you think of that, that the glass falling out, that seems like once it got to another city and it was close to being maybe going to another even, I mean, massive city, that's when that glass fell out. That's when that really big event compared to all the other events happened. And right, then, yeah, that was, you know, yeah. yeah. That was the extreme part because it hadn't. Right. It was noises before, it, and it's and I'd noticed that as well. It had um, sort of. I'm glad you brought that back up. Actually, I'd noticed that it, that's like a sort of damage in itself. It was prepared to take a hit, and like I say, maybe it was in fear of like you've made a good another good point there. Maybe it was in fear of reaching London because if it reaches London, it's a tourist city, so it might end up out the contrary. Yeah, and it's, and if it's yeah. going around an, antique dealerships, like I say, I mean, I don't know what year this was. It, um, but it's going to be relatively. I don't know if it's within the internet era because, like you say, if you these days, it's to get on eBay. Could 
<laughs> no, yep. it's, yeah. it's no, no chance of getting it. So it's, I don't know. But that hap- in fact, that happens in a film. This exact thing has happened in films, actually, where the house does something, where the house calls the people. Was it House on Haunted Hill or The Haunting, one of them? I don't the know. House kinda, I've, I've seen a movie like that where the, there's a haunted house or something where, where they think they've been pulled in for a competition or a thing, and it turns out that nobody that they're all fake emails and stuff, and it's the, kind of the house phone line has uh-huh. done it, it turned out. And you're like, what? It's, it's like called these people to the house, man. Oh, my God. So we can finish that's, them off. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, um, we're going to take a just real quick break. If you're listening on the live stream here, just not even a minute. So hang on, and we'll be right back. And I have more with my guest, uh, Leah Martin, Rohan. Hi, this is Leah Martin of the Exile Minds podcast. You're listening to the network that never stops seeking Trouble Mind Radio, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. It's alive, waiting. Now clear your minds. I live in the weak and the wounded. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I just can't take no pleasure in killing. There's some things you gotta do. Seven days. I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding. There's nothing to worry about. It could be just fine. I'm my number one man. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Blind, pale, emotionally sick girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? You know, it's Halloween. Nothing to worry We all go a little mad sometimes. That's an excellent day for an exorcism. Like the dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. Have you checked the children? How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. Hang up. I didn't tell them my name. No, I didn't. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. Beware the moonlights. They mostly come at night. Mostly. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. I'm going to die out here. The blackest eyes. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while and see what happens? Welcome to the Trouble Minds Radio Network on KUAP Digital Broadcasting, where we delve into the mystical, the philosophical, and the cosmic in our quest to uncover the unknown.
You're tuned into Troubled Minds Radio Network on KUAP Digital Broadcasting, where we peer into the future, embrace the power of AI, and delve deep into the conspiracies that shape our world. You are listening to Salcedo Paranormal with your host, James Salcedo. Okay, we are back on Salcedo Paranormal, this very special episode with Rohan, um, really good friend of the show and uh, um, helping me out with the show, making it, uh, putting in some extra content in between these little breaks that we're doing, which uh, normally don't do. And I really appreciate that. And you'll get to hear, if you've just been listening to the podcast feed, you'll get to hear sort of what the show sounds like when it's on the radio, which is kind of the point um, we both had this idea of doing this. I forget who had it first, but great idea about putting in some uh, extra content there just to give you all an idea of what it sounds like when you listen to the station. And of course, I def- definitely recommend you all do that whenever you can. Um, it's an it's an amazing thing because it doesn't require much in the way of your internet data, your your um, your signal there. Um, so, and that's of course that's the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. And uh, it's it's really amazing. And, and throughout the day, you never know what you're going to hear. And that's that's also, I love that about it because you get to hear everyone uh, that's on the station. And uh, and then you never know which episodes are going to show up. So um, I listen a lot. And uh, and then I usually turn the volume down once it's, once it's one of my own shows because I think almost everyone probably does that. But then once it, mine is done, I just turn the volume back up and see who's next. So uh, welcome back on, Rohan. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made some some fun points there because, like I say, I like to. Uh, I'm glad you plugged the radio station. Like I say, I put it on and do the same thing. You kind of mute your own. I mean, you know, you kind of get kind of blends out after a bit. Although sometimes I've caught myself where you know, you know, I've been in the garden and I'll put it on on my phone. Maybe I have my phone nearby, and then the show will finish but I'm not close to it or my hands are dirty and then mine will come on and I'll go about. So I'll move away from my phone do something else in the garden, come back and it's still on. And then I hear an interesting point that I didn't know. And it's strange to hear my voice saying it. And I think, well, I don't even know this. So, so <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced that. I bet you have. Oh yes. Mainly with, um, main, more with Mike shows than my shows, but yeah, I've heard that. It's like, wow, I said that I had that thought. I don't remember. Okay. That I like that. Wow. Okay, yeah, that works, and it's just you know, no, it is amazing. So, definitely recommend you all do that and leave it on as much as possible. And uh, yeah, listen in. And um, so, yeah, that's this has been great. Um, already that first segment there with that story, with the clock and the the clock maker and everything. That um, I I feel like I've I don't know if I've heard a story quite that uh, with that many connections and and before. I, I'm not sure if I have which really is an amazing one. I, maybe here and there, but that's that whole sequence of events there really is amazing. So um, I don't know if you want to keep talking about that or move on to the next one here. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll move on to the next one in just a sec. But again, yes, yeah, I think it's, it's a testament to, um, it, well, we'll just mention Mike actually. On, on my, my, okay, let's, let's dial it all back. So with this Troubled Minds Radio Network situation, it's a place, it's like a place... And with including with Discord, 
it's a place where you can get together and talk, isn't it? And and then and then you flow up, you bounce off of each other with the ideas. And I think that's what happens. And that's why we don't sort of remember, you know, back to the the notion that we had, because we're kind of flowing live. And that's why I call it fire and forget. And like I say, this is this is why it's also so important that we get together and talk about this spooky stuff because it's starting to turn out that this is normal. You know, <laughs> so yeah, we're kind of, and it makes us ahead of the game as well, James. And and I know we sort of sort of say it, but it kind of does. I, I, and it gives me a little bit of like a bit of personal security, knowing that at least I'm semi prepared for the future, sort of thing. Because I think it's going to get weird fast. It happened fast. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, and we can only keep so much in our minds, our physical minds, at any given time. So. I think um, that, you know, as much as these shows are for entertainment in their own way, they're also, I think they're great for just getting those thoughts out there. And then they're, they're out there. You can go back to them and hear them and, and they can sort of have new connections and new meanings that uh, you didn't think about at the time. And that's, that's another amazing aspect of all this. And, and that's why I think it's fun to listen to even shows that you've already heard before, because, between the last time you listened to a show and then the time you're listening uh, again, you know, you've had more experience. And so things are going to, to hit you in different ways than they did it at that first time. Okay. A wonderfully astute point there, James. Okay, you know why? Because that happened to me yesterday. Well, we had that, well, Mike did a show, Mike on Trouble Minds Radio did a show and it was, um, and a caller called in, Matt called in, talking about that. It was a bit of synchronicity of that show. And then I had I had one as well. And then and Mike on that show mentioned the Blemmy. The Blemmy came up, I think, called a show before. Okay, they're like headless people supposed to have been. And Kelly's been sharing that for a long time. And that hit me in a new way cause, because I kind of forgot about it. And, and I just never thought to do a show on it. And I started writing a show about that today because I thought, yeah, my God. I just, just like I say, it's a Pokemon. So Pokemon, but in the multiverse, you say you can't catch them all. You, you know, so yeah. you kind of need each other. And I think it's true as well in the sense of it is hive mind. Like Mike says that too. You bounce off each other like that. Can't catch them all. Hive mind stuff. And yeah, that's just let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. So yep, yeah, for sure. Right, okay, do you want me to, I'll jump in on this next story, I've got chapter 10 next, if that's yes. all right with you, James? Yep, definitely. Okay, we're all in then. All right, let's bring this forward a bit. Okay, so, so we've, we've, we heard about uh, the, the clock coming back, coming back to its original house, apparently. So, um, so Alan goes on to say, on for chapter 10, of uh, the ghost detective, Alan Perkins, before I go on with the next story, which has many of the classic poltergeist activities, I feel I must explain the two theories concerning poltergeist. The first theory put forward is that poltergeist is a relentless or evil spirit trying to communicate with the living. Often this involves targeting an adolescent member of the family, using them as a type of amplifier, increasing the poltergeist powers targeted child would have no knowledge of being used and would be as scared as the rest of the family. If the child was removed from the building, the activity ceases until the child is returned. In some cases, though, the energy created by the poltergeist can be so great, removing the child will only cut down the frequency of the activity. 
people have often said that the poltergeist can do no physical harm. Normally, I would agree, says Alan, with this statement. However, the emotional stress of having a poltergeist in your home can be far more damaging. And I like that he makes that point. I want to underline that because he does that throughout the book. He's, you know, focusing on the emotional damage just to people and taking them seriously. You know? Yes, definitely. He, but yeah, obviously, it's still, he makes a point of saying as well that when I see you in person, you still want to make sure people aren't trying to trick you and take you for an idiot sort of thing. You've got to get your radar up still. But at the same time, you've got to let people say the thing on you. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's, it may sound, I think it's, you know, it can all be sort of, people can write it all off until it happens or something weird happens to them. And then it's a lot harder to do that and at least honestly do that. And, uh, yeah, so no, it's um, having been through a number of weird experiences, even though most of them haven't really been that bad, there's a couple that have been, and yeah, it stays with you for years after it happens. So, but yeah, please continue. Oh, just on a side note there, and it was a, yeah, that happened to Michael Shermer, physicist, that was all a bit like he's all kind of anti paranormal and that kind of stuff. And he had one, and that was a clock. I think we mentioned it last time where it was on the, like his wedding day sort of thing and, and his bride's dad you know like the grandfather the grandfather's clock started working in the drawer and it only worked for that day and you know it had never been able to fix it so he changed his mind about it all but then once the experience kind of wore off a bit a couple of years later it was poo-pooing it all again yeah do you know what i mean so it can it's i think we do that don't we we yeah. kind of try and ignore it a bit and yeah I, I anyway remember, but, i remember that one that was like a clock i think it was a clock radio as well i think it had like something to do with radio uh, music mm -hmm. from it and then yeah it was acting up so but yeah please go ahead okay yeah so so they're talking about the, how the poltergeist um, one idea is that it's aiming at children it's like an evil spirit and it says uh, as an adolescent we all went through the same emotional confusion the second so, so it's like you're talking about um, you know you're trying to use it as an amplifier and it says this the second theory is that in some rare cases, this confusion can trigger PK or psychokinesis. This is the ability to move objects through the power of thought. I'm not saying that the child concerned is actively or deliberately moving things. I doubt that they even know they have the power to do so. It is emotion that will trigger their power, anger being the strongest. Well, it turns out, actually, that's not true anymore because MIT did a study into emotions and the uh, it turns out authenticity is supposed to be the strongest frequency, four times stronger than love, they said, in MIT study. But anyway, yeah. But anger, I would think, is going to be, it is a powerful one. And it happens yes. fast, doesn't it? An anger one shoots up fast. Yep. It's, it's got a good accelerating speed, even if it's not the fastest. Sort yes. Of thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's emotions are, um, yeah, they're, they're, I think I don't think people in some cases realize how powerful, how much energy there, there is to those. And yeah, so definitely go ahead. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, very powerful. So um, yeah, we're saying anger being the strongest. Um, or maybe it is the strongest, maybe MRT was the highest frequency or whatever. But anyway, so um, whenever you visit your a family that reports having poltergeist, either one of these theories may, may be in play the you know, quote-unquote evil spirit controlling or the child itself, the emotional. 
And uh, what you must never do is turn up to help someone with the preconceived idea about what it what is happening. Be prepared to learn. Okay. This story shows how things can get out of hand when a poltergeist gets the upper hand. Our eyewitnesses in this investigation were asked by a family to investigate disturbances in the house. The family involved has asked that their names and home location be changed. As you read the story, you will see why this is so important for the anonymity. At the time of the investigation, the family concerned lived in a semi-detached council house somewhere in Northamptonshire. They were suffering all kinds of poltergeist activity in their home. Furniture rearranged itself, pictures falling off walls, things thrown around and smashed, even writing scrawled across the walls by unseen hands. And all this was just the tip of the iceberg. The family were at their wit's end and decided to find a medium to help them. This was easier said than done. Real mediums are hard to find. Charlatans, on the other hand, are two penny... <laughs> Mm -hmm. some yeah yeah a lot of them for a dollar okay and and my waste of money and very expensive so most mediums i know do not exploit people who need their help i do not charge for, and do not charge for the services that's what he's saying in his experience of 30 odd years and i think that's probably true as well if you're a medic you're not just going to not help a person bleeding are you you know right um, real quick point here, um, Sonia is a uh, Sonia is a bot in the chat here. Uh, says, "Isn't authenticity really love?" Wow, that's a great. That's a bot saying that. What do you mean, there's a bot? A computer <laughs> saying that. And the comment. That's a wonderful comment. I like that comment, and I, I think maybe it is. Maybe authenticity is love. So <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice interjection. Just uh, for everyone listening, we are kind of joking here. That is just a profile name, but yeah. I thought it was a great, uh, great comment as well. So, yeah, please uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, you've got to be prepared to learn. Um, yeah, you've got the changed name here, tip of the iceberg, lots of bad stuff happening, real mediums, uh, you know, they're going to probably want to try and help you out. So, so in this story then, so they managed to find a medium, they asked to visit their house, so there was a good one, and they soon decided there was more going on than they'd ever, ever seen before, these mediums, okay? And, and they would need some help. So they had to, the mediums that they got in, had to say, no, no, this is too much for us. A bit like Constantine stuff, isn't it? you got to go and get go and get some more, a team in. So, so they get a team in, okay, and discuss the case with them before their visit to the house. They needed to be prepared for what they were about to see. On the evening of the first visit, the group of four drove to the house. They were late, and they were, and it was already getting dark. One of the ladies sitting in the back of the car noticed a light on one of the downstairs windows of the house. There was a tall, well-dressed man looking out of the window. The four people were a little embarrassed about arriving late on their first visit. After seeing the host waiting for them, they were unsure that welcome, what kind of welcome they would receive. Knocking at the door, they were invited in by a lady of the house, and we're going to call her Sarah. She showed them into the sitting room. This was the room where the man was seen looking out of the window, but he was not there. 
as mm. the four started chatting, yes, yeah, they seen a guy at the window, <laughs> you know, but it's starting to, okay, he's not there, okay, let's see what Sarah's saying then. As the four sat chatting with Sarah, she said her husband would be down shortly, he had just popped upstairs. Sure enough, about five minutes later, her husband, who we're going to call Peter, came into the room, and it was obvious. It was then obvious to be to the invited guests that this was not the same man that they'd seen in the window. Okay, knowing a little of what was going on in the house, and the eyewitnesses asked Sarah and Peter who the man. Sorry, go back. They asked the eyewitnesses were asked uh, Sir and Peter who the man was that they had seen in the window when they just arrived. The couple seemed a little confused and so didn't know quite what they meant. Our witness described the man they had seen looking out from the from the window. He said he was tall, had short hair, he's very well dressed, and the other guests said that they thought that the man that was the man that they were about to meet that was waiting for him, like sort of waiting at the door. Peter and Sarah could not identify the man from the description. Interestingly, though, there was a settee in front of the window in question, and there was no room to stand behind it to be able to look out of the window. You would need to kneel on the settee facing backwards to see uh, to get a look out of the window. So it seems that it would have been impossible because seated on the settee were Peter and Sarah, and three teenage daughters. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so their perceptions were being altered there somehow. Because yeah, otherwise, what... otherwise they would have seen those that that furniture with those five people sitting on it. And all they saw yeah, was the foot... figure in the window instead. That, isn't that strange? And then they what about the people sitting in the sofa when they all noticed the man standing in the middle of them all? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think you'd notice that, wouldn't you? A well-dressed gentleman, gentleman just in your sofa, halfway in it, halfway out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> creepy moving on. So they've had things smashed around as well, bearing in mind. So they've got this uh, creepy old man. And so, oh, I'm looking for that. Yeah, so you'd have to, yeah, so you'd have to kneel on it. It seemed impossible that someone could be there. So later on in the investigation, this was proved. This part will prove to be significant. The names of the three girls we're going to say is Anne, Rachel, and Rebecca, or Becky for short. At, at the time of the first visit, Becky was out of out at a friend's house, and Anne and Rachel were sitting on the settee in front of the window. The medium asked the two girls to describe a typical day at the house. Anne just shrugged her shoulders, unwilling to talk. Rachel on the other hand explained that she's tried to stay out of the house as much as possible. It's too weird if you were to stay in here, she said. The medium then asked Sarah and Peter to briefly explain the events of the last few weeks for the benefit of the other guests. Peter said that things began slowly at first. A picture fell off the wall here in the sitting room. They thought nothing of it at the time, but then two more fell off the wall in other rooms on the same day. Over the following couple of days, things started to escalate. Ornaments were thrown across to the girls' bedrooms with such force that they shattered into pieces and they hit the walls, sending fragments in all directions. Sarah suggested that she should show the guests around the house so they could get a mental picture of the layout. As the group climbed the stairs, 
they had loud crashing noises that came from the bathroom. On investigating, it was found that a small mirror had been smashed against the wall above the bath. One of the guests said it was lucky no one was in the bath at the time, as it would have been cut by the flying glass. Sarah explained that this was the strange part. With the ornaments being thrown around and the glass breaking, no one has ever been hurt. It seems that it seemed that there was not a room in the house that had not been affected in some way or another. So every single room in the house has had activity. And in the girls' bedroom, you could clearly see the dents in the wall testifying to the force of which items had been thrown. Things had also been moved from one room to another, putting something like a bunch of keys that when you want to find them in another room a short while later, you're finding them there. So Sarah and Peter... In their bedroom, they suggest that um, they're going to you know, sort of check that out because that's where that happened. So, you know, they're doing a tour, explaining that's where this happened, that's where that happened. Right. Said, okay, you know. So it all seems a bit seems a bit odd. And it says at the end of the tour, uh, at the end of the tour of the house, it was clear. Hang on, let's jump back. Sorry, just checking the clock. At the end of the tour of the house, it was clear to the investigating team that this was not going to be a quick fix job. This house would need studying over several weeks or maybe even over several months. This is not what Peter and Sarah wanted to hear. The medium explained to him that they needed to find out what was causing the disturbances in the house and also why they were doing it. Our witnesses explained that the thoughts, the thoughts of the team with me, first of all, there were writings scrawled across the wall that had apparently been done in a haphazard fashion. At first, we thought the writings could have been done by one of the girls using lipstick, but later the investigations find other scrawlings, messages around the house in places that have been left empty that the girls didn't go to. Over the next few weeks, we saw a great deal of activity in one of the girls' bedrooms, beds shaking, quilts being pulled off, and all that kind of thing, clothes being thrown around, that sort of stuff. Later we found in this particular room that had been created after structural alterations had been made to the upper part of the house. Something was getting annoyed and obviously it didn't want the, the girls sleeping there. Things got so bad that they, in the end, the girls refused to go in the bedroom. They just wouldn't go in that room anymore. The house was filled with electrical items. Sorry. Yeah, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to. Um, you not want to be in there, would you, James? No, and I think we'll um we'll just talk about what we have so far here for the last minute or so, and then we'll pick it up if mm -hmm. if you don't mind next next uh if you don't mind doing a another segment there. Um, sure. Yeah. No worries. That's that's not uncommon for people that were teenagers or kids that have experience and like a lot of experiences in their homes to eventually they just get out of there as soon as they can. Like once they turn you know, 16, 17, whatever, they'll just, they'll, they'll get out, they'll move out right away. And in some cases, the activity does stop. Other cases, it doesn't. So I've, I've heard that on a lot of different shows and, you know, just reading a lot of different stories from people. So that can happen. That, that, that kind of activity can happen and it can be going back to the um, sort of the stress and the, and the trauma from all that, that can, you know, change people's, lives and their direction of their lives um you know for years to come so I th that's that doesn't, doesn't surprise me that that they were even trying to stay out of certain rooms and then 
the one daughter was not even in the house for that first visit of that group. So, um, yeah. So I think uh, just everyone hang on one minute. We'll be right back and uh, we'll keep on going with this one story here. And uh, thank you for listening to Salcedo Paranormal. Back in one minute. And so the race is on to get to the sixth annual Blegnitch event, Paracon. Tickets nearly gone, hit the skate zone, serious business. Don't be accused of being so lazy and need school and undisciplined by a cannabis bomb. We needed an intrepid hero that was very strong. St. James Salcedo to represent Triple Mind Radio. So please donate to the main PayPal Vimeo Salcedo Paranormal.podbean.com. The very spooky nature of Sarsita the Paranormal is great for a podcast flavor. This work takes typical marks from grifting to fill up the labor. You pay for the day when people look like in Asia. This weird encounter's small or crazier and crazier. Gripping, shocking, figurey here in Asia. Side splitting laughter from ghosts, rift drifting. This time slips, time shifting. Impacts for boosting mics about the trace, I call it cloud lifting. I'm intent to present the sentiment If you like the content, donate You haven't sent, do us all a favour Donate to James, this message is made By the famed great raider, Liam Martin Crazy killer fans, did you know, was my major So donate today And you'll probably see me in town Holding the death waiver I'm not saying it's aliens, but the clues in the name I'm one half Liam Neeson You don't want me to take it Salcedo, paranormal.com As I've said before, modern life in the city is full of hidden dangers. We are here to learn how to defend ourselves. Mr. Miyagi used to say, if you're looking for revenge, you can start by digging two graves. He was right. The only way to stop Cobra Kai is if we all work together. But always remember, the reason we learn karate is to show the world that you're not a bunch of pansy ass. We gotta be looking at how you can Salcedo. 
Okay, welcome back to South Cedar Paranormal. And uh, thank you all for listening so far. And uh, thanks again to Rohan for being on the show with me here. And let's just get right back into the story since we've kind of already, I think we've plugged the station a good amount, which of course we want to, but uh, uh, get right back into the story here if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. No problem. So I'm not sure how long it is. We just uh, jumped in blind, but let's go. Okay, so so the girls are having trouble. They don't want to go in the, the bedroom anymore. They're just refusing now. Like, so, like you mentioned, that, that kind of stuff happens, and you won't, would you, you know, run away from it. So they went on to say that you're going to like this bit, I reckon. You'll see a link here. The house was filled with electrical items. I was mm. thinking that's, uh-uh, I don't know. Yeah. That never happens. So, yeah. I mean, that's not connected at all. No. <laughs> you know, so it seems key, doesn't it? I can't believe it took years for me to make that connection. But yes, the electrical stuff. And so they're full of it. Their house is full of it. And it says it was more than the norm as well. So, um, yeah, there were televisions in all the rooms, video recorders and computers. You name it, they had it. <laughs> so, wow. That, yeah. Okay. So that's just to set the scene. They kind of, if that is a thing, they're begging for it. So, or well, I think I think it's conduits. I think that's what it is. I think having electromagnetic fields, it just gives you a, a medium, quote unquote. It gives you a, yeah. like as in water or you know whatever sound in because in air as a medium. Yeah. So I think it's the electricity thing, the fields. I think it, I think the like leaning on fields, like leaning on a force field, in some way. I think it's a bit like that. Like yeah, and- side of the glass. Yeah, and it doesn't, um, I mean, automatically, having all that stuff does not automatically, I don't think, lead to that necessarily. But if you're already having activity, plus you're bringing in, you know, and for whatever reasons, you like technology, whatever, it doesn't, not, not it has to be a, a negative thing or a, uh, we're going to get all this tech to monitor all this. No, it, it can just be people like to have their own TVs and, and computers. I mean, especially, if, you know, going far enough back once computers started coming out everybody wanted one so all that stuff you know it doesn't necessarily mean that it's you're going to have activity just by having that but if you already had activity then i could see that really helping to uh to increase it as well yeah it's a great it's a great point and obviously if it was if it was just the technology everyone would be getting it all the time wouldn't they you know these right. are rare cases exactly but, yeah, but, but like I say, it's, it seems to be a factor, though, where maybe if these things are stacking up, where you've got a lot of electricity, you're, you're on a ley line, you've got water running under the, under the property, a troubled teenager, and your missus are doing witchcraft, then you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Three or four or five of those things, uh, yeah, that could be the reason for things going on there. So, sorry, I, I derailed you a little bit there. <laughs> Go, go right no, 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 you're right. So yeah, so it's full of electrical. Well, I think it's well, we're exploring this stuff, aren't we? So, and so we have to have to kind of do the little cliff notes. That's what it's all about. So, so yeah, so they've got equipment in sort of all over the place. You make a good point. It's, let's not blame Sanyo and Panasonic. Yeah. yeah. Also, limestone That's, in the chat, real quick. Uh, Sonia mentions again: was the home built on limestone or near limestone? And that that yeah. Or even some places are built with limestone in their in their walls, so um, that's a that's a possibility as well. Oh, is limestone? Oh, you can teach me something then. How's limestone relevant? It's something in the energy that the way it, ca- it can 
contain or hold their uh, energy. It's all, it's part of that idea of the stone tape theory, where it's something to do with the energy field and the minerals in it and can be conductive, I guess, to electricity. I don't know the exact details. It's just something that I've heard uh, mentioned a lot in um, in cases in, in some places where they say that uh, certain kinds of stone, including limestone, can uh, maybe contain energy and, and contain those sort of energy fields that you call residual hauntings where the, there's the same thing happening over and over again. And it's just a, a, basically a 3D image or sound of, of previous events that is happening and there's no consciousness directly involved. It's just, but you're seeing and hearing a uh, previous event. So in a location. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, actually, well, I've, I've heard of that as well. Like the tape recorder, the chemistry, cause it's the same kind of chemistry as an actual cassette, isn't it? it that you find in some of these walls. Right. That's yep. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So if you can, if you, and like, if you said it was, um, 3d that's fascinating as well because if it was on a cassette tape that's like it's two-dimensional it's all there all the information but if it's in 3d against a 2d plane like a wall you're not getting the whole scene are you and that now makes sense to me why when i've seen investigations into that they're getting lots of broken language broken voices not whole conversations and if you think oh it's in 3d like a sphere leaning into the wall you're gonna have a lot of data missing on you so anyway intersects sort of thing okay kind of makes sense but limestone again that's a that's a another fascinating thing because i just happened to when i was a kid i really loved this flight of dragons cartoon film okay and it's where a, a, a guy in, gets whisked away into a magical world because it's a long story but he ends up turning into a dragon right and he has to learn how to be a dragon and he and the dragons have to eat limestone in this film because the way that the way that they breathe fire, they have to eat limestone, and they've got an electrical thimble that they can on the roof of the mouth, and they need that to cause a spark to ignite the fire. And the limestone is the chemistry that is like being part of what they need to ignite it, and to and they have an extra set of lungs that makes them buoyant, and so that so the wings don't need to be gigantic. So it's wow. like mm, electric and limestone is in a cartoon from the eighties. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. So, uh, so, so there's definitely an electrical connection there. Mm-hmm. So, I think something there. But anyway, what we doing for? How long we doing for? For time? I'm not sure. Uh, um, I've got that. Uh, I'll let you know when we get to a couple minutes here. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Brilliant. All right then. So, so I'll, I'll move on with. So, move on with the story then. So they didn't want to go in the house and in, in the, the bedroom anymore. That activity in every room, but we've discovered there's a lots of electrical equipment in every room. And say so most of what was, and even the computers were like interfered with and even the equipment was interfered with. So one of the computers was switched on and started typing by itself, producing uh, sheets of type. Even the audio dial light, Start to flash on the modem. <laughs> trying to talking about a ghost phone, trying to send you an email. Yeah, wow. Send you an audio file, James, and then it all like I don't know, do something weird to you, maybe. <laughs> cool. So yeah, so it's messing with the computer. Uh, apparently, an audio signal being detected by the modem, and most of what was typed on the computer was abusive language, abusive stuff aimed at the girls. So it must have been like in English then. 
for, right. or, or, you know, uh, or yeah. a, a coherent language of some sort. It doesn't say it wasn't English, so. <laughs> so typing on a computer then, okay, and each visit, it says it, these investigators then, so each visit gave more and more evidence of poltergeist activity. So it's been pretty bad so far. I've had all the classic stuff, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It says, even when the team were not present for the events, they still continued. One day, while friends were visiting, a large mirror upstairs in Sarah and Paul's bedroom crashed to the floor. You could hear the glass breaking and shattering. Sure enough, on investigation, a large heavy mirror had indeed fallen, smashing on the floor. Sarah went to the top of the stairs and shouted down, asking a friend to take a look. But as they re-centered the bedroom mirror, once again hanging on the wall without much of a scratch. So it's like, what? Hang on. Someone's seen it smash, but then they've got someone else gone and checked and, and it's, it's okay. And you mentioned that in the beginning about the tall man standing in the sofa and yet they didn't yeah. like an illusion thing. And also, I mean, mm. mirrors, and that's twice now in this house where mirrors have been involved either actually in that one case with the one in the bathroom or in this case with the, just the sound of it and then the image of it, but then it being not actually broken. Or I wonder if it was somehow, I mean, we, we don't really know how time works. It could have been some kind of a weird time anomaly where it did break and then something happened and put it back together again. Yeah. 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 And and then it's going to really weird you out. Really weird you out. And it goes on to say here, I'm just, I haven't read this story before. I'm just noticing as I look on it, that um, that would be upsetting for me. If, 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 if I'm having problem, it's like one of those things when, you know, that's like a horror trope. If, if you're in a situation that's a, you know, it's distressing, but nobody believes you. Right, and it yeah. keeps happening. It keeps going on, and that's all. That's distressing anyway. Even as a kid, like nobody believes you didn't steal the banana, sort of thing. Right, you didn't take the cookie, and it really bothers you if you didn't do it. If you did it, you're kind of like no. But if you didn't, if it was such a travesty. So, so it says Sarah, who's been on and, and shouted front of a lot, and then and then the mirror's okay. And it's, she, it says that Alan goes to explain that the house owner Sarah. At this point, she just starts breaking down in tears, having a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Because that was that was enough for her, that bit, you know, the mirror broken and not. So whatever it was in that house causing these things to happen, it was it was winning the battles of will. It was grinding them down, and 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 that's that's like a thing of like it's it's almost driving you crazy. It sounds and that'd be even more distressing. And then you wonder if you were crazy, and then who do you tell? Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, worrying stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder. Going back to the the text from that PC, I wonder. Now I know it was it was sort of giving uh, saying bad things to the girls, but I'm wondering again if I wonder which of the girls if this was something. Basically, I'm wondering it was it attached to one or or multiple of them. Because if it was just one, it could have been the one sort of unconsciously and or with help from whatever this is, um, putting putting this text out on this computer towards the others. 
Yeah, I'm, I don't. Well, it doesn't really specify, so I'm gonna right. I'm gonna presume that it's just general on everybody. It's just general activity sort of thing. Yeah. But, so it could have but, been. Yeah. Yeah, but but then but then I suppose if the girls were, if it if the girls were in in its room, whatever this thing is, mm -hmm. then maybe it's like particularly angry with them. Maybe it's like yeah. everyone being there, but it's but you're in my personal space, you know. Yeah, could be. So anyway, yeah. So so yeah. So going on then. So they've had all this. She's breaking down. There's so many disturbances, and so they're like, right, this <laughs> gotta get serious now. So they're gonna get the mediums decide that a seance is required. So we needed to try and contact the spirits that was proving so troublesome, and just get to the why. You know, the cause seems to be you know spirit. So you got the cause, right? Hopefully. So get to the why. Try and get to solutions. That's what we're trying to do. So it goes on to say, you may be thinking that a medium had left a bit, left it a bit late to contact spirits that should have been done at the start. Well, he did want to, but the family was against such contact. They just wanted to get rid of it all. Okay, which is fair enough. Because well, this is why we need to educate people with the paranormal, James. That's why you're doing a great job at doing this because people are afraid of this stuff, and so you know these people are already disturbed so it's probably difficult to go to a medium and then they don't want to do the seance bit which might have you know it, you know maybe that can fix things straight away sort of thing i don't know about seances well know more than me. the other thing with that is sometimes investigations and or seances whatever these events even if they're done for the right reasons they in some cases they can make things worse so i don't blame the family for not wanting to start off with that, actually. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so, so your kind of greatest favor of that stuff can actually sort of happen there. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, okay. Not, yeah, not every time, not in every case. You know, as I always say, I think all the negative stuff is more rare than Hollywood likes us to think. But it can happen that way, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll move on then. Right. Okay. So well, they're going to try the seance. Um, they're going to try to sit and like, like I say, the family's looking at this as a bit of a last resort at the minute. It's all serious breaking down. So they need to try and contact some spirits. They decided they were going to go for it. So yeah. So, but, so by now, as things stood, they thought they had nothing to lose. So yeah, there was at the end of the tether. So the team, including the witnesses, returned to the house and decided to go into the lounge. There's a good place to start. And I suppose that's where the scene the man for that's as good a place as any to, to start and had also been invited with the consent of her parents because the team thought the spirit was using her as an amplifier oh so ah they are they are okay. specifying one called Anne. so you're on it there we go okay. boom fit the theme must be a theme james so you've been doing this long enough you know your stuff so remember the sighting of the man in the window yes. Anne was sitting in the exact spot uh, sorry, Anne was sitting in the exact spot the spirit used when appearing to the team. So there was a certain spot. It might be easier to talk to the spirit with her present. So, so they're, they're finding out stuff. They're doing it, James. They're doing if they've got some information now, like investigators. You know, they've got a yeah. spot it likes to appear from. Also, if I'm not mistaken, Anne was the one that did not want to talk in the beginning. True that. 
True that. Hey, hey, good point, James, because now you take me back, I'm thinking now, because when you're reading, it's a bit sort of different, but now you take me back, I wondered then if she had something to hide or she was particularly... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Lots of factors yeah. why so, she be, she could be quiet, but still, the fact that she was is, is um yeah. And then they're yeah they found other th- other things obviously to uh to indicate that that might be so. We got about seven minutes, just so you know, and then we'll take one last break, I think, and then do one last segment. So keep uh, you you can continue on for for now. I'll let you know when we get close to the next break here. Okay, sure. Yeah, we've got about uh, a page and a half, so I think that will be about right. So, okay. so we're gonna we're gonna have this séance then. Okay, last chance resort. So, sitting in a circle, the group managed to contact not one but two spirits. Both were using Anne's life energy to do mischief, a little like using psychokinesis, but through someone else. One of the spirits was a local man who had been accused of a crime he had not committed. He was, however, found guilty and hung. The second spirit was that of a boy. All they could find out about him was that he enjoyed throwing things about and making mischief. The fact that there was two of them <laughs> meant that they, was having a, they were having a bit of a ball. It sounds like they were working as a team at the expense of the poor family that he had latched onto. Oh my, oh my goodness. So, oh, wow, James. Can two random spirits meet in the spirit world and both decide to screw people together? Like a... Yeah. Wow. It can be that, or it can be that they... It might not even be that they want to work together. They may just be encountering each other, and then who knows what their relationship is. Sometimes I've heard some multiple spirits in one location may not even meet each other depending on what time periods they're from. Um, similar other details like that, they may not even know of each other, but or in some cases they do, so it's hard to say for sure what's going on there, what the dynamic is. But the fact that there's two, that may explain why the activity is so strong as well, possibly. That's that's an excellent point, yeah. That is an excellent point. We could be amplifying it. And also, I'm thinking of that thing through time, not seeing each other. That's really, that's, yeah, that kind of makes, that kind of tracks, doesn't it? And also, as well, I'm thinking this if there's psychic energy available to be manipulated, and there's some electronics which it seems can sort of help that along a little bit, or help to you know, lubricate the process and whatever, then, then that would be from a spirit's point of view, doing these kinds of things. That would be like a good a good fishing spot, wouldn't it? So I suppose it makes sense. It probably glows mm-hmm. like it. You know what I'm saying? It's probably it attracts you like a moth to a flame. That's probably what you know. It just kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I do think that in some cases, I've had it happen. I've had you know unknown or basically other entities just passing through my apartment. I think that does happen here and there. So even if they're just drawn and then drawn to it and then they leave. You know, there could be, yeah, it's, it's, um, that's why it's so hard to pin anything down for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so definitely possible there. Mm, okay. So let's, uh, let's quickly move on with this, uh, story. And so, so they're, they're at the sounds, they're trying to find out about the boy. This seems it's two, two spirits and both latched onto him. Like I say, could be <laughs> explain, explain why they're getting such strong activity. So most of the, most of the hostly seemed to be coming from the, the spirit of the man who was hung unjustly. It sort of makes sense. It's going to be really angry. 
mm-hmm. and hanging's hanging's been gone for a while so you know he's been we've been doing that for decades sort of thing so I suppose he had a lot, a lot of time to be angry and it says um that the medium thought he had been able to settle the spirit of the the boy he had decided to move on and leave the family in peace the spirit of the man however was having none of it even the medium needed a break away from contact with him we're wearing the medium down as well mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a really early angry guy wow okay so the next part of the story was witnessed by two of the investigating team one of which was our witnesses so because remember they've had to bring in a second team to be able to say on stuff as well so right so the original team got to see one this next part as well so the next part was it, um, a worrying escalation of the level of power of the poltergeist. Okay. Becky was upstairs having a bath when suddenly an ornament came flying into the bathroom from one of the bedrooms across the hallway. So he took it from one room and held it straight through the door into the bathroom. Mm. And it landed in the bath barely missing poor Becky, who screamed in terror. This was followed a couple of days later by a truly terrifying thing that happened to Peter. Two of the team had arrived early to do some tests, and Peter was upstairs having a shave. Suddenly he shouted out that he was being cut and came rushing down to show his wounds. Lifting his shirt, you could see red marks across his back, like scratches made from fingernails. Now instantly, our eyewitnesses thought these were marks could have been self-inflicted. So, sorry. Now instantly, our witnesses thought that these marks could have been self-inflicted. However, as they watched a second set of red scratches traced across Peter's back as they were looking mm. at it. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. That's crazy. The scratches became very inflamed and red, but did not bleed. Peter said he felt the scratches go across his back, but could not do anything to stop them. Interestingly, though the mark settled down within 10 minutes and left the mark, unlike an old scar, the investigators had never seen anything like this before or since. So different kind of, <laughs> different yeah. kind of injury. That is rare, but I have heard that in a couple of cases. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. So I think we'll, uh, yeah, about a minute left. I don't know how much more there is to go on that. That that's pretty yeah that 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 section that's uh, it's about the end that's pretty much the end of the story so i mean okay. this this is the end of the story so they're just saying that the sad part of this um the sad part of this uh, is unfortunately the investigating team were unable to follow the haunting any further the family said that they wanted no more probing into the poltergeist activity they right. the, um, the, you know they're escalating problems rather than uh, curing it so you know, they just didn't want to do it anymore. And, and Alan's saying, I can't really blame him because it kind of sort of made it worse a little bit. Yeah. So at least they got rid of the boy, though. So at least it's that part. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like he was ready to go. But, um, but yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, is what leads to in so many cases. You hear about the house in this one, you know, part of town where, oh, people are always moving in there and they're moving out of there constantly. And I wonder in those cases, and I've heard stories about that and, you know, different shows and things I've read where that, that's, that is why, you know, there's just so much activity there. People can't stay there, but um, 
yeah, if you want to stick around for one more segment, Rohan, we'll do one more and then we'll call it a night. So, and uh, sounds good to me. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, but we'll be back in just one minute and uh, with one last segment of the show. You're listening to Troubled Minds. Join us as we discuss an upside-down world that nobody seems to notice. U.S. employment increased by the most in eight months in September as hiring rose brought, pointing to persistent labor market strength that could give the Federal Reserve ammunition to raise interest rates again, though wage growth is slowing. The larger-than-expected surge in non-farm payrolls last month and sharp upward revisions to July. In August, jobs counts reported by the Labor Department in its closely-watched employment report on Friday cemented expectations that economic activity accelerated in the third quarter. H-R-O-Z-A, Ukraine half the village is gone. Ukraine hamlet reels after missile strike in a burial plot next to a field outside the remote Ukrainian hamlet of Rose. Residents removed undergrowth and cleared away litter to make space for more graves. Working quietly, it was something to distract them from the horror of what happened the day before. As dozens of people gathered in the local cafe for a meal to honor a soldier who died in the war against Russia, a missile struck, killing at least 52 people. And now, back to the strangeness. You're tuned into Troubled Minds Radio Network on KUAP Digital Broadcasting, where we contemplate the mysteries of the cosmos through the lens of philosophy, magic, and more. It is spring, moonless night in the small town, starless and Bible black, the cobble street silent and the hunched quarters and rabbit's wood limping invisible down to the slow black, slow black, crow black. Fishing boat bobbing sea. The houses are blind as moles, though moles see fine tonight in the snouting velvet dingles. Or blind as Captain Cat there in the muffled middle by the pump and the town clock. The shops in mourning, the welfare hauling, and all the people of the lulled and dumbfound town are sleeping now. Hush, the babies are sleeping. The farmers, the fishers, the tradesmen and pensioners, cobblers, schoolteacher, postman and publican, fast and slow. The undertaker and the fancy woman, drunkard, dressmaker, preacher, policeman, the wet foot, cocker women and the tidy wives. Young girls lie bedded soft or glide in their dream with rings and trousseaus, brides made it by glowworms down the aisles of the organ playing wood. The boys are dreaming wicked, or of the bucking ranches of the night and the jolly Rogered Sea. And the anthracite statues of the horses sleep in the fields, and the cows in the byres, and the dogs in the wet-nosed yards, and the cats nap in the slant corners, or loop, sly, streaking and needling on the one cloud of the roofs. You can hear the dew falling, and the hushed town breathing. Only your eyes are unclosed to see the black and folded town vast and slow asleep. Okay, we are back. Hopefully I'm giving you enough time there in between each one, Rohan, to uh, do what you got to do, I think. But um, thank you for being here on this show. This has been amazing. Um, just all these stories of experiences and uh yeah, um, we're looking forward to this last segment here, and then we can do this again some other time, and uh, you know, keep going with that book. And and uh, but it's been amazing, and thank you for reading so much of this for us. 
Yeah, no problem, James. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's fun to do. It's fun to have a look at some of these things. So yeah, and and yeah, you do. That is that was enough time actually. It's like the clapperboard in the movies. You know, you get the thing, the clicker thing. Click. Right. Yeah. That's just to make a peek in the audio file, so you can see where the cuts are. Yeah. That's why. So as long as you've got you know a few seconds, got enough. That's what I figure. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, so I don't know if you no. want to read more, or if you want to just talk about all these things in general for the last segment. Um, where you want to well, go? Uh, well, uh, well, I, th I mean, well, I think that last one is with a little, little sort of, um, sort of summary on that because that kind of, kind of freaky. Because see, with with I didn't realize that kind of you could have te spirits teaming up, and I hadn't realized that you can get these kind of. I know, I know, it's about scratches and stuff, but like happening in front of people—that's that's kind of weird. That is, and, and then my brains just went on to. I know it's not quite the same, but what about that that stigmata Jesus thing and the scratches? And right. Can oh, is that what's that? Have you ever investigated that? I know it's a bit of a sidetrack, off the rails, as we say. Oh, we, not that we ever do that anywhere on this network <laughs> at all. But um, no, I haven't looked into that so much. Um, I've heard a lot about it over the years and how there's just, uh, it does seem to be the reason, main reason I haven't looked into that particular case is it's more of a religious thing from what I've heard. And that's not something I haven't really done a, a lot of looking into uh, the paranormal through as it relates to different religions and things. I, I think that would be a good thing to do at some point. I just haven't gotten there yet, but, um, but you're, you are right. It does seem, like it's similar. I think with the uh, stigmata, I think that's more extreme. There's more ongoing sort of um, some of those marks don't ever leave or if they do, they keep coming back. If I'm not mistaken, and I'm just, this is all just off the top of my head. So anyone out there who is an expert in this, uh, please uh, don't, don't, uh, no emails. I don't, I don't need any emails because I'm just thinking this is just based on what I've heard uh, as always with all these shows. But, but these, um, the scratch marks, yeah, th those are, uh, now, of course, again, um, a lot of people will automatically sort of jump to, oh, well, that has to be, and also because of the paranormal TV reality shows, that has to be a, a demon, has to be negative. Um, and I think in some cases it can be those things. I don't think it always has to be. I think it, in this case, it seems more likely it's just that, that angry man that was there that, is just maybe getting more fuel with, from from the seance that happened, and now he's able to sort of make those those scratches. And I don't blame the family for after that being like, okay, that's enough, we're done. You know, I wonder how long. I would imagine I wouldn't be surprised if if you know if you were to talk with them, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that oh, we moved out of there. You know, not long after, because that's a lot to deal with. So, but of course, the the one thing that a lot of movies and TV shows don't talk about is, you know, people just can't always get up and move easily right when they want to. When it comes to homes and, and places where it's a house, you know, where they, where they bought it or they're paying for it, they may not have the money to move for quite some time. That's a fantastic uh, pragmatic point as well. Like I say, often that, that is in the movies thing where you've just bought the new house that no one wants to buy on a great deal. Right, and then you know it's haunted, and then like say you've got you've got this massive mortgage you probably just took for it, or like say maybe you got on a great deal, and you you know you're trying to step up. That's how they sort of show it to you. And like say you can't just you can't just go, but 
but then they, if they're breaking down, maybe they were they started looking at selling, like you say, if you look at it. But then, what about the housing? So being a bit practical now, being very sensible. But what about with the housing and insurance then? Because I remember hearing somewhere, it might have been on coast to coast years ago, that um, some states had this thing about like if somebody's been murdered in the house, you have to declare it. And yeah. it can like depreciate the value with a house. But then on the other hand, people if it's an area that's into the paranormal, it can make your house be worth more. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, yes. Both of those. Um, it goes, for, it's different from state to state. But yeah, um, the, the, the thing with murders is definitely a thing. Also, I think now in more recent years, the, the paranormal, you know, saying, yes, this house appears to be haunted. That is a thing where some people now will. I mean, to be honest, if I ever, if, if I ever get rich, I I'm will probably be buying a home that is said to be haunted, not necessarily to live there, but just as a sort of a place to investigate. I mean, I would, I'd, you know, people, a lot of people will like when, when they, they hear about people that are on those reality shows that buy homes for that reason, you know, they kind of think that's weird, but um, I don't think so. I would do the same thing. Um, so, and, and yeah, in some cases, with people that are in those extreme hauntings, even if they can't afford to move out, they still do. And then they just take enormous losses. And so that's the thing as well. But it, it just, you know, it just varies from, from one case to another as to what the people do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by, the, by the way, particularly like, like vision, if you were like winning the lotto, we're in the, the super millions and getting a, a haunted mansion. But and then, and then I like your thinking, James, <laughs> shows how serious you are about this stuff, because you know what that is? That is your own lab. Exactly. A gi giant lab. Always controlled conditions. You can have different rooms, different. Oh, my lab is brilliant. My mind's already racing. You've probably been doing this racing with this. But yeah, that's a great idea. And no, not for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I would love to do that someday. Even even just a small house, if it's you know a regular small house that's said to be to be active, I'd I'd buy that, no problem. But um, yeah. So it's that that is quite the case there, and um, and again, that is sounds a lot like what you would hear in in fiction, and uh, and you know over and over and over again, but um. Just, I think it's, and, and I'm glad that you know that we we covered that story tonight. But I think it's important just to point out, as I always do, I think these rare, these stories of these, you know, these negative experiences, I don't think they're as common as as the, the entertainment industry would like you to believe. And also, I think in some cases now, not so much with the scratches. That's that seems like a, a direct, you know, a, attack in a way, but. I think when um, I've heard of on different shows and different stories, people talk about getting like a one scratch, you know, just scratched just briefly. I don't think that's always an attack. I've heard this idea that um, these, whatever these are, these, whether it's spirits of humans or not, or just entities of any kind, sometimes they, if they, they may not know, or they may be trying to reach out to people and they, they can't. And it's just really hard, either because of the environment or because they're just not used to maybe being being what they are at that point. And so may, they may just be trying to touch someone to get their attention. And it may accidentally, in some cases, lead to a, a single scratch that then, of course, obviously, I don't blame people for being freaked out at first, you know, but 
um, I think in some cases there's some of this activity can be mistaken for negative experiences when it, it, maybe it's not meant to be. Oh, definitely. Definitely. James, I concur. And I can, because especially as well with the, um, with sort of crossover with the outer body experiences and the, you know, the near death experiences, the Robert Monroe books, you know, journeys into the, some journeys somewhere. But yeah, his, his, his first book when he's describing all of that stuff. And that was, that was his, his lab was the world, right? Cause he's astral projecting. Right. So he's, he's right. So, so who are your test subjects? It's people that you know. So, cause they can verify things for you on the other side, can't they? Yep. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So, so Robert Monroe, when's he starting to figure this stuff out? Cause he was freaked out at first and then but he told his doctor cause he sort of knew him and his doctor, he thought he might not think he's crazy. And then they, they decided to kind of like study it in private just between the two of them sort of thing. But, but once he discovered you can like touch stuff and things, he used to, he used to start trying to touch his wife just like on, on the hip or whatever, tickler mm -hmm. and, and, and she, yeah. So she felt it and she verified it, but she says it felt like a, a pinch because he saw her wince away and she says, yeah, don't do it again. Uh, yeah. Felt right. it. Don't do it. Cause it was like a pinch on her kidneys and she didn't like it. And it was just him just trying to touch her, give her a little squeeze. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yep. So that, that, that tracks. Yeah. No, that's, um, I do think that, you know, that's why I'm sort of, I, I always, you know, push for people to go with how they feel, not with what their mind is telling them is probably happening. Go with your intuition, and your, your feeling of a situation. And I mean, not that that can't ever be wrong, but I think more times than not, you're, it's going to be accurate. And then maybe that can help you have a better experience and longer experience if you want that. And um, that's helped me a lot over the years with all my experiences. I always say, you know, people say that, oh, you've, it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences. But I think it's all relative because I've heard and talked to people that, you know, um, no, I compared to, 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 to myself, there are people that have had a lot more experiences than I have. And they have them almost every day. I don't have that. I've just been around long enough now, years um, now, where I've had several experiences, probably, you know, dozens but that's because I'm going to be 42 in January. If you get, you know, three or four experiences in a year, you know, <laughs> over multiple years or more, then you're going to eventually have a lot of experiences. So, but that, that, that is all relative. So um, I don't know why I got on that point. But anyway, that's what happens when you do a talk show, I guess. <laughs> yeah well that's it well we're getting our feelings out well you're talking about and i got on that point because we're talking about emotion aren't we and we're talking about getting this stuff out and letting stuff out and and how these poltergeists interact with stuff do you know what i mean and it's yeah it's it's the, it's the passion and 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 then the good and bad thing because you like to make that differentiation that it's not all all black and white especially with this stuff because it's got such a negative kind of reputation like I say, so we make a point there. Yeah, some of these really extreme ones, very rare, you know. But but at the same time, it's sort of a, there's the kindness side of things. It's not we're not trying to do stuff. So we've got the Robert Monroe story to kind of balance it out, and that's a real life verified thing. We've accidentally pinched somebody too hard, sort of thing. And and I, and and that thing of like trusting your feeling, you're onto something there, James. 
because uh, I remember Dr. Richard Allen Miller, who's you know, supposed to be a polymath, a super, is an ex, a self-taught expert in several fields, been hired by governments and stuff, and for Navy SEALs, they taught them metaphysics and whatnot. So he was saying that you've got your brain, you've got three nervous systems to get get your information about the world. And you've, so you've got your brain, neocortex, you know, spine and that, or that nervous system. And then you've got neurons on your heart. So that's kind of like a nervous system. So you feel that that feeling thing, right? And that talks about mm. your brain. It's mainly the same kind of stuff, right? But that, but your gut has got the, in, I think it's called the enteric nervous system. It's like a web around your gut. That's a nervous system as well. Your gut brain. You've got a gut brain, and Dr. Richard Allen Miller, the super polymorph guy, he reckons that your gut is getting its information directly from hyperspace, directly. Mm, yeah. So it's always right. However, the reason you get it wrong is because you start guessing what things are. You second guess it, you analyze it, don't you? But if you go with your gut, as they say, just the feeling and don't think. But then at the same time, you don't want to make rash decisions, do you? Exactly. You know yeah, but it's, it's a tough one. But ask police officers, see what they think. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, any kind of first responders, I mean, just things can happen so fast and you have to uh, make a decision that uh, can have consequences one way or another. And yeah, I need to do a show on um, first responders and the paranormal because that's one thing. A lot of shows do that at one point because there's so many stories from people that you know, they have to respond to situations and then they end up having experiences that they can't even really write about in their official reports because they're, you know, it's paranormal and that's not accepted in, in so many places and in so many levels of society. And then it changes their lives forever. And sometimes it's, you know, that there's a whole range of how that those, what kind of changes there are there. But yeah, if you look up any kind of, um, just look up uh, first responders paranormal shows. You can find a ton of those. And those are um, some of the most uh, amazing ones to listen to because these are people that are out there to, for, for reasons, for actual reasons to be doing things. They're not ghost hunting. They're not um, trying to have a good time in a way. They're, they're doing their jobs. So, um, but yeah, and these mediums, you know, some sometimes, I've heard over the years and I've noticed that sometimes people, when they have experiences that they're some kind of a first responder, that will get them into the paranormal and they'll start sort of, uh, they'll get into investigating all that uh, when they can in their free time um, while they're not on the job and then having also amazing experiences and and start trying to figure things out. And I think that's um, it's probably the, the best uh, outcome from, from that whole range of um, experiences there. Yeah, and I suppose the first responders, they, like I say, the first on the scene, and they're going to see the stuff and when it's intense emotions and all that, so they're going to see the PK ones for sure. And then if somebody does die or, or it's a certain spot where, you know, it's a bad corner and people get getting run over there, then there's going to be a lot of it. So that just kind of track. And, and in terms of doing a first responders show, this is where I was leading with it. With the cops, they're sort of famous in pop culture for having a hunch, going with the gut feeling. So psychic cops, right? If we, it should be studying that stuff, right? And they use mediums, don't they? But it's like you say, you can't go like like the airline pilots. They can't 
report UFOs, really, because in the A-line industry, especially, um, I think if you've had psych evaluations, they have to strike you off because you're you know, flying passenger jets. You can't fly yeah. them anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's a bit, mm -mm -mm. and like you say, if you're, if you're a police officer, maybe doctors and nurses might be able to get away with talking about consciousness and, and you know, or when the person dies and this happens, some weird stuff. But police officers, I don't think they get away with it. Or military. They don't right. think they really get, you know, you don't get to say it, do you? And like I say, maybe if you retire as a police officer and become a, a private detective, then you've got free reign. Maybe then you can still keep your cop thing and do that. But I knew you connect connections, but pretty tough. And especially when you got like these, like I mentioned, Michael Shermer, top physicist, having an experience of going, oh my God, everyone, I never used to believe this stuff, but guess what? And then changing his mind, it, it keeps it down again. Then you think, yay, victory. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Michael. And I think there's just that, you know, everyone that reacts to the paranormal in different ways. And, and even though it's hard, I don't, I don't blame people for that reaction that sort of wanting to go back and say, no, um, that, that, that couldn't have happened that way. There must be a reason for that. And, and I think a lot of it, it's just, there, there's people that really have to know how things work or have this idea that they know how things work. And so when, when that idea or that image of how things, how reality is supposed to work is, is distorted or broken, that's, that's terrifying to them. And so they, they, may have an experience but if they only have one especially then i think over time the more time that goes by the easier it is to just try to write it off and not think about it anymore so and yeah it's just uh i think that's how it is going back to the the um first responders and then medical uh people that work in the medical fields i don't think yeah i don't think they can really talk about a lot of this in, in, on the job site but they, they they definitely can put out their experiences on all kinds of websites online. And that's where you find these stories. And a lot of cases, you know, some people do put their names, but a lot of them don't. They just use, you know, profile names. And that's the only way they can get their stories out there. And or, you know, appearing on shows, but then just not giving their their whole name or just giving their first name or, you know, any of those things. So that's... um. But I mean, there's just so many stories from from those fields that it's hard to deny that there's something going on there. Yeah, and it's like you say, you made a, another astute point earlier about how when you're a first responder, you're there to do a job. You're not there with cameras and flare cameras and, and you know EM detectors, and you're not trying. You're not looking for it. So if you notice stuff when you're not looking for it, it must be pretty obvious. It's got to be in your face. It's got to tap you on the shoulder, isn't it, and say hi. You know. Yeah. Yep, definitely. And uh, that goes across the board with ghosts or cryptids or UFOs, all those different things. Stories where there's more than one um, thing going on there. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really is a, um, it's a lot of, a lot of fun to look into, but uh, that's the stuff to me that is amazing because again, these are people that, you know, the whole credibility scale, most people will say that they're at the top of that scale. So, I'm kind of, I'm in that minority, I think, in a way that is like, well, everyone is credible to some degree. Not everyone is going to be making up stuff or, you know, but that's just my personal bias and I'm aware of that. Um, but yeah, um, I think we have a few minutes left here. And uh, so 
Yeah, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Uh, what do you have? Uh, um, what are you thinking about covering on your show coming up in the, the days to come? Oh well, th thank you for that, James. Yeah, and yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, Exo Minds podcast. Thinking about like uh, covering the Blemmy, the headless people. Thinking about might do that one next and start writing a show on that because I've not covered that. But like I say, I haven't done this show. I've not done one on the ghost at all, really. And touched on any of that stuff, and like I say, I've got a lot of questions. So maybe that's a that's a show we need to we need to cover. In fact, maybe we need to get you on. Maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, that's the happy, way to do it. Yeah, maybe happy we'll do to it. join you. Yep, whenever we'll you want to do it, let me know. Of course, and we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely do that. Cause like Sam, I know we keep banging on about it, but yeah, I'm excited about this radio station stuff, and and. I think in years to come, we'll be able to look back, James, and say, you know, he's here at the start and we've worked hard and, you know, it's in, and it's in an important service. It's going to be, a, that's how I'm trying to see it. I mean, this is a, an important service for the community, for those that have not swallowed red pills, you know, and I think the whole world is having to wake up to a lot of the realities that they really thought wasn't and it can be traumatic, as we've seen with some of these experiences. Even just finding out you've been lied to can be really traumatic, you know. Definitely, so, yeah important stuff yep yeah well thank you for being on i'm going to close out the show here and uh talk a little bit about uh upcoming events and uh go from there so if you want to mute up after this but thank you again for joining me and uh again for everyone that listens to the podcast feed you will notice something different about this show and i'm really looking forward to hearing what you all think and hopefully we'll get you all to listen to the station so thank you rohan and i will talk to you later pleasure thank you very much james thanks for having me cheers no problem. So, yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. Just want to mention again, uh, I will be at the Mid-Michigan Paracon this November 4th and 5th. That's a Saturday and Sunday at the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Tickets are probably running out, so I would definitely, if you think you can make it, uh, go get those right away. And uh, you'll find me wandering around there and making audio recordings of myself and anyone that wants to join me talking about all things paranormal from thoughts of how it works to experiences, uh, all those different things. So, and it's going to be my first time attending one of these things. So uh, any uh, friendly faces would definitely be appreciated if you're able to go. If not, if you'd like to support the show again through PayPal and Venmo, all those links can be found in the episode description. So um, it's, it's uh, I don't uh, like to, to bring that up really, but uh, at this point in time, uh, I am living on a fixed budget, and I do the show with whatever I can. And uh, if you like the show and you want to support it, those are ways to do that. And all those can be found in every episode description. So along with the link to uh, to Rohan's show. And I uh, definitely want to thank him again. And uh, thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all uh, on the next episode of South Cedo Paranormal. Next stream will be on uh, Saturday. So thank you all. Take care and have a great night. 